1: Hello, this is Homeboy88 of the Homeboy88 Podcast. If you like hip-hop, video games, pro wrestling, conspiracy theories, and comedy, come check out the Homeboy88 Podcast, constantly in the top Apple Podcast charts. Check out my back catalog featuring some of the funniest wrestling shows ever created. The Homeboy88 Podcast. Search for it and listen today.
2: saw in picture-in-picture in picture. when the action was coming back towards the ring. Darby was thrown over the barricade, but I think he landed on the top of his I head. I think he did. I think you're right when you said throw the break. He hit. He missed that mat on the outside and hit the cement. Look at Darby now, trying to just fight back. He's got a lot of heart, a lot of fortitude does he have, Shivani, for sure. I wasn't sure how much force he had behind those chops. Those slaps were pretty darn good. Yeah, massive haymakers from the champion. <laughs> oh, yes. team show out of the corner! Hotty well, might be over boys again look at the eyes of Joe Five, The cover two, and, oh Dory pop that shoulder up and take another look at this Samoa Joe oh, no. man, driving just driving Dobby damn near through the mat that man right there guys I take tec- that a technique that dates all the way back to Samoa Joe's first tours of Japan with 01 pro wrestling the Space Tornado, Ogawa, employed viciously by Samoa Joe. Look at those chops. Darby just about just needs to get out of the ring to create some kind of separation. Oh, but Joe closing the distance and the... Oh! oh Darby once again crashing to on the floor. Let's go! You see the blood around the eye of Samoa Joe. Darby Allen opening Joe up. When he hit, when Darby hit that tope okay. into the table, it collided with Joe's head. Joe's other the you know, get out of the way, and everybody said, like, okay. Yeah, just move. Yeah, Joe speaks. Yeah, man. Especially he- a bloody pissed off some Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like parting the Red Sea there, guys. Get out of the way. This does not look good for Darby Allen, guys. No, uh, Joe's got something yeah. devastating in mind. Right now, Darby seems absolutely defenseless. Yeah, you can tell Dar- Darby just by his posture, his hands down around his waist, but... oh! Jawbreaker, jawbreaker definitely worked. How many times did we say Darby's out of it? He comes back. Oh, my Where does he get this from? He fired in the chops in the corner. Oh, but no. Joe. Oh, oh, he oh, oh we just, just wasn't even <laughs> a hip toss. <No>. just hucked <laughs> him over the top. <laughs> just chucked him. Just grabbed him and You know, like you take a t shirt off and just fling it in the corner? Yeah, but do that. that Look at this. Look at that. What's going on? Everyone laughing, but we're not laughing. No, this insane. That's insane. He's just too much of a man. I mean. Samoa Joe is too much of a man. But how tough is Darby to just keep moving and keep taking it? He don't quit. He keeps coming back for the fight. Like, well, and, uh, not only that, Taz, but looking to defend the TNT championship for the fifth consecutive week. Yeah, he's definitely getting worn out. I think maybe the end might be near for the TNT champ. We're going to crown a new one tonight. Brainbuster by Samoa Joe, who's not going for a cover. And we got one table already propped up, as you see. In the distance, there. Uh oh, oh. Multiple chairs. No, he's not. I got a handful of chairs there. It's not often you see someone grab a handful of chairs when your hands are the size of them a paw. You can do that. PAW paw. I was getting that. I was arguing down PAW. Sure I got it right. and you think I meant PO you are. How about PAH? Back oh, to the action oh, here. Oh my God. Samoa Joe setting up those chairs back to back. Oh, no, no. Oh, God. Oh! 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 Oh, and the chairs didn't even go down. It oh. was just all the force of Darby's body, oh, spine, hitting those tables. Joe just looking at him on his knees like, how about that, kid? And, you know, Darby hell wanted this to be the final chapter himself and Samoa Joe of the TNC Championship. Might be the final chapter. Exactly where I was going, Tony. Thanks for stealing my point. Yeah, no, no holds barred. This is all good in the hood, man. All legal here. Don't like where the chair was placed. Two chairs, I should say. Oh, we're going to pound City out here. Dar- oh, just Darby. He hammered that Lassar. Oh, Joe, I didn't I didn't see that either. That was so quick. I thought it was an elbow strike, but instead Darby, he's got Joe blinded. That was quick. And Darby over the top, the stunner! No well, matter if you have a size advantage. You're blinded now. And Darby. Oh boy. Uh-oh. Oh boy. He's putting the hoodie with the uh, almost subtext on that, it. Yeah. Guys, I thought we've seen everything tonight so far, but this match is unbelievable. He's That'll gonna try and coffin drop. Struggle with that sleeve. Oh, man. Yeah, the sleeves are all, all pinned together. Darby, he can't waste too much time. Let's here. do it, Let's right? Do it. Let's do it. Darby, oh, oh. the coffin drop with the thumbtacks. One, two, oh.
0: no! Joe's not out of this yet. Oh.
2: And that might have been the last. Straw for Darby Allen to retain his title. I mean, it was the coffin drop in mm-hmm. Seattle that allowed Darby Allen to become a two time TNT champion, mm-hmm. Samoa Joe. What's he got? Ratchet wrench. What's oh, he's got a no, blade. He's got a blade or, or he's snips cut or something. He's cutting the canvas, the ropes that hold the canvas down. Guys, we've, we've seen a lot of stuff, but nothing like this. We've never, I've never seen this the last time. (laughs) Darby's gone insane. He's flipped out. He's insane here. Oh, he's still fighting for his life. I don't don't blame him. He's fighting for his life, not just his title. Look at the desperation in this man. Darby's just, I mean, he's just, he's cutting at everything that's holding that canvas down. We need a bigger blade. Yeah, he sure is. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Darby, Darby, he's He's revealing the, everything underneath the ring. Uh, yeah, I don't, what is I, it? I don't. I don't know what he's up to here. I know this much: some, in wrestling history, some crazy things that happened in Dayton, Ohio. Let's speak on that. <laughs> yeah, you're, Darby's, he's looking to expose not only the. the the boards, the pine boards underneath the ring, but also just the steel ring frame. He didn't cut that one open. it don't matter. No, it doesn't matter. He's, he, look, he's going to the mat now, the pad. Uh, he wants to expose the boards underneath. Well, that's, that, that's what he wants. He probably wants to drive Joe's body somehow into thick wood without any panic. Well, we'll see what no holds is about when you're wrestling Darby Allen. And there's only been one time in AEW history that we've seen this happen, and it did not end well with a man that exposed those boards, but Darby, now with, oh, oh God! did you see Darby's heels hit the top rope, that changed his trajectory, Darby crashed even harder than he would have hit it clean. Okay, I, want, I want to tell you this, when he went to cut off the ring mat, that turned the tide in Joe's face. Look at Joe's face. His face is clean as a whistle. I think he went to the outside. He got a water bottle. He washed all that stuff out oh, of Oh, God, the thumbtack switch. Oh! And also, Joe also baited him in on the outside, set himself up in front of that table. Oh, no! God. Oh, no, no, oh, no, no. My God. no. Thumbtacks in the face. Oh, no. I'm- oh, no. Oh, yeah, oh, The thumbs in the eyes of Samoa Jones. This is violent, man. This is a fight for survival. Talk about no holds barred. That's what you do, man. You got to go for the guy's eye. Price was checking in with Joe right there. Man, that, 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 Darby's fingers were deep in the eyes of Samoa Joe, and now I don't care how powerful, mean, thick you are, that will slow you down. So will that chair. And Darby, I think he that that switcher may have stuck into his hand, and now Darby just swinging for the fences with the chair, Tony. Ah. I, I think. Well, there's it. no padding in this. It's exposed, thick wood. Took to expose the wood. May have oh, worked again Joe, it, Joe just pulled the referee. So smart. The so smart. Oh my God. Oh Joe, no Joe, don't do it. Don't do this. No. Not a muscle. he's digging. Muscle Buster. No way. He can't. He can't. Oh, oh my God. What? Both men, guys. Both men. The Muscle Buster into the exposed board. Oh, yeah, a new champion. <laughs> Winner of this match, and new TNT champion, Zanmuwa. Jeez, what a freaking match! The king of television reigns again. And you are correct, what a damn match, and what a fight Darby put up. But there is the new TNT champ, two-time champ, the kick TV right there, baby. Samoa Joe, the Ring of Honor World Television champ, the two-time TNT champion, and the man who may have, wait, what is this? Well, Darby's had an incredible run as TNT champ. Hold a second. Sorry to see it come to an end, but wait a minute. Wait a minute Uh-oh. We haven't seen Wardlow since Samoa Joe. Defeated Wardlow. He cut the hair of Wardlow all the way back in Denver. And now Wardlow. Wardlow's not looking to talk. Back. And he is fired up. He is right Shots on Joe's. Joe! Joe's covered up. He just went through hell, but Wardlow exploded back on the scene here at AEW. Absolutely he slid in the ring. Eyes in front. Eyes looking up. And it, it's time for a symphony, baby. Oh. Well, not, not so fast. Not so fast, Wardlow. Uh-uh. Joe fleeing from Wardlow. Yes. He's returned to AEW. And it is clear that he wants revenge the king of television, Samoa Joe. And look at his though He can't be restrained. Dropping everyone, but we have a new TNT champ. We have a new TNT champion. We've had a monumental episode of Dynamite. We hope you join us this Friday night on TNT, 10, 9 central for Rampage. Thank you for joining us here for Dynamite. What a night. What action we witnessed. What? Ah!
3: everybody and welcome. It's time for your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast about AEW Dynamite. Yes, it is time for the PWC's Wednesday Night Skirmish. I am your host, Christopher Ams. That's A-M-B-S like lambs with no L or bullshit first thing in the morning. And I'm here with an unquestionably questionable co-host from the coast where balloons pop and fells point shocks. From the city of charm, a man who should do no harm, a doctor or lawyer, Jeff Lippman. Jeff, how are you, bud?
4: I was like the best introduction I've ever gotten. Uh, so, folks, normally I, I often say I would rather listen to the skirmish than be on the skirmish. But to be truthful, it's that I'd rather listen to Chris. And since I'm replacing <laughs> Jim, I don't feel so bad about being on it. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm excited to be on the show with you. I'm, I'm excited to share your insights and and hear them, being the first to hear them. Um, And apparently we are at war with Pennywise. That's my understanding of what I've I've gathered from the week.
3: Yeah, that's cool. I mean, hey, Pennywise, you know, Pennywise is a creepy, creepy clown alien thing. Yeah. Stephen King, you know, he's, he's a great, great author.
4: This is starting to wrap right into our pre-production conversation. <laughs> awesome
3: stuff. All right. Well, uh, you know what? Let's just get right into Dynamite. Uh, they're in Dayton, Ohio uh, tonight, which is going to, you know, play a part in the, the pop that John Moxley gets as he comes to the ring. Now, the announcer literally says, <laughs> literally says, you know, uh, coming to the ring with his dad. <laughs> and I just thought, what the? Okay sure all
4: right just give us the ending of this trilogy in in, with one unnecessary addition
3: yeah Uh, well a few unnecessary additions so he comes to the ring with his dad and superhuman um so yeah juggalos juggalettes all that whoop 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 um so hangman uh comes to the ring the two brawl outside before the match can start the ref gently suggests that they get in the ring a number of times um, you know, by gently suggests, I mean basically just stands there and goes, Um, excuse me, guys, did you maybe want to get in the ring? It would be better if you got in the ring. Uh guys, it would be better if you would maybe get in the ring while the two of them just brawled and beat the shit out of each other before a sanctioned match. As you do. Um Well,
4: at least they acted like it was a garage match. And, you know, politeness and manners are very underrated and sort of fading, you know, from current culture, so I'm OK with the ref being uh, demure.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was fine. Um, one thing, uh, maybe they should have stood up, stood you know, around the ring a little bit longer as as soon as they get back in the ring, the camera immediately cuts to John Moxley, who is taking a blade to his forehead, <laughs> um, which certainly caused some uh, some comments to be to be made. And I got to say, I mean, production wise, this is so amateurish, like You've got somebody who's literally watching all the cameras and saying, "Okay, switch to camera three, switch to camera four, switch to camera five, switch back to camera three. Like there's literally somebody whose job it is to watch the cameras go. Yes, this is something we need to be watching right now and then cutting to them. So uh, that guy, maybe he needs a little reminder of how to do his job.
4: Maybe so. But that guy is probably Tony Khan because I think he does everything. Um, the other guy is John Moxley, who at least try to cover it up. I mean, you know, go like this and then I mean it, and since this is a podcast saying go like this isn't very helpful. What I was doing I was I'm mimicking John Moxley's move of having one hand to his forehead with his thumb and forefinger, you know, holding a blade to the to his temple, and I put my left hand over my right hand copying it as if you were in pain and you were using both hands to hold your head i mean it, it, so there's the description better than this for audio um but yet john moxley's dad still doing nothing and frankly wheeler Yuta doing nothing um but at least listen a lot of aw grudges they haven't seemed to be grudges they would come in and they do headlocks or arm drags or whatever at least they came out swinging um can we take a moment and be catty as to What a dingy minor, minor under minor league arena this looked like. I mean, this looked this looked like it was like a Division Seven community college arena.
3: (laughs) Not a fan of the Nutter Center, are you? Uh, It listen,
4: dirty is great for indie shows and and you know high school games in rural areas. But uh, yeah, no, this this I mean, it was just it just. It just looked and felt old and cheap
3: yep uh agreed and uh this match like you said you know you're sort of suggesting that they you know they really went at each other that was good i did like that also um i'm gonna go ahead and just nitpick the hell out of things that i always nitpick the hell out of booyah elbows are played out uh you do them for every single fucking match every single fucking week every single fucking show um and It just looks stupid. If you have ever had any history with actual combat sports or even spent much time watching actual combat sports, these things just look completely stupid. Um, And yeah, I don't like them. I don't like them in in a match like this. I don't like them to be so consistent um also 15 minutes into this match which is a brutal match as you stated as we've you know talked about already they they really hit each other with some really hard shots there was a lot of impact it was good 15 minutes into this match there's a bucket of blood mox literally no cells a back suplex just stands right back up like like nothing why why are professionals why are guys who are at the top of the card why are guys who you know as we've said you know on podcasts before jeff i think you and i have agreed about this like moxley is kind of their mvp why are guys who are that high on the card and should know better still doing this first week of wrestling class bullshit
4: i really can't answer that and i think that's just because they're given the freedom to do whatever they want and this is I think this is moxley's idea of a story and i think hangman page doesn't know any better and this is his idea of a story too even though they're not that far behind i don't really mind the boo elbows at uh, forearms at the beginning of a match because it's sort of like the modern day equivalent of the test of strength where i do mind it is after they've started hurting each other that they go back to because once you're hurt no you don't invite someone to keep hitting you i understand this is this is partly brian danielson's fault that he, he sort of started this but when it's his thing it's his thing you know Hulk Hogan did the hulking up thing you know it doesn't work when everyone does it and everyone does do it now uh and you know these two guys have shown that they're mortal in that hangman actually got injured and Moxley pretended he got injured and the the score was evened up so it's just dumb you've taken each other out now you're taking each other's best shots you've actually hurt each other now at some point it's time to try to win the match or or to take the other guy out through you know some other, other means other than this futility. So uh I I agree with you it's it's very overplayed it's not pre- particularly creative. The crowd seems to like it so you know I guess what do you say to that? Uh but for TV I think it you know which is the audience they need more than the you know 3700 people they found in Dayton. Um you know this is if that many I agree I don't I don't think it's very good storytelling and Moxley should know better I mean hangman should know better but okay. why why would he he's he's never been any place that's that's told him anything other than what he thinks is is better and wherever he's gone they've given him six they've rewarded him for exactly these beliefs and the other people who feel the same way have also been rewarded okay. and the people who don't feel that way haven't been so I mean if you're just going by. Pavlovian training yeah why would he do any better but Moxley should know better but you know he made his 12 million dollars or whatever and he he came back to this on purpose because this is what he likes to do so I guess it's it's fun times for him but um I don't know I I I know that no one wants to admit but but Tony Khan really wants the rating so this is why he puts matches like this on Dynamite you know and that's fine it's it's fun for the fans you get a, a grudge match the third match in a trilogy but there's a pay-per-view coming up with with very few matches on it so far in less than a month and they're going to i mean so this trilogy is not going to be it's not done with the trilogy there's going to be more matches um and it'll probably be something lame like a lights out unsanctioned match so that you know the whoever the heel is who i'm not sure you know loses but because that's probably John Moxley in this scenario it's not really a loss it doesn't count on his record but everyone knows it happened so then it's over um because I you know no spoiler but uh you know as soon as John Moxley's father came out with him you knew he was winning but he won and sort of I mean sort of a it was like he basically turned it looked like he was dying basically and he rolled it over into like a sort of like a small package and he won which was not a bad finish it was sort of a clever finish I suppose um that was a clever finish uh but Hangman should have won this match I mean he's he's the younger guy who you're trying to get over and he didn't and I I just don't I don't know who this helped I mean Moxley sorely needs a vacation I mean that man needs like six months off
3: that guy definitely needs some time off. Now, you mentioned uh you, you mentioned that the Booyah elbows were Daniel were were Brian Danielson's fault. Another thing that's that's uh Brian Danielson's fault, uh, Mox used some of the stomps, the stomps that Brian Danielson usually uses, and um they just absolutely looked like horseshit. It looked like he was tapping Adam Page with his toes. It was really, really aggressively bad. Uh Hangman misses with the moonsault. Mox takes uh mox takes him over to the table takes a pop-up power bomb through it um yeah they so a dead eye gets a two count they basically murder each other they go back to booyah elbows uh page can't hit the buckshot the first time gets the second time only gets a two uh locks in the bulldog and mox wins by essentially a roll-up so a number of things went wrong okay first of all you had a match where everybody did everything at the start of the night um there's blood there's weapons there's power bombs through tables and there's there's buckshot lariats and dead eyes and everything's getting a two count and two count two count two count so when you do that when you build a match that way you need to go home with something spectacular right you don't have each you don't have these guys hit every fucking move under the sun and then go home with a roll up that is not how you finish a match like this and i just I just kind of threw up my hands in the air at the end of this match going, what the fuck, guys? <laughs> um anyways, after the match, Paige and the not Blackpool Combat Club uh argue in the ar- argue in the ring. Uh Cesaro stares Paige down as Mox celebrates. And that's pretty much, you know, the end of that. It looks like uh, you know, Paige is gonna want to continue this. And as you said, the pay-per-view's coming up in a month. So my guess is that they have something um maybe it's even uh Adam Adam page and the you know the the dork order against the not Blackpool combat Club just a number of groups of people who have no business being together against each other at the pay-per-view that's
4: yeah and again Brian did not come out with the rest of the Blackpool combat Club because he wasn't there that night yes he was there that night we saw him later on in, in a match and and you know not not this i mean i'm sure by now everyone who's interested in dynamite saw it he daniel bryan at some point got a little bit of assistance from someone else and it was not anyone from the blackpool combat club what what is this faction i mean it never made sense you know for a couple of moments they seem to try to coalesce and it, it still makes no sense and they're they're never together and they don't fully back each other up i i i don't get it and and it looked like they were tr- trying to transition to a, I uh I almost said Cesaro Claudio uh page program but that would make very little sense I mean it's I mean it's a fine exhibition match I suppose but I I don't know I I, I don't see that being where this is going I see this thing you know well the way I've already laid it out but but you're right about the Moxley kicks and, and a lot I, I mean. I don't know if this is Moxley doing on purpose, but he's starting to wrestle more like Eddie Kingston and, and less like when John Moxley first came back uh, about uh, thirteen months ago. Um, he is—he's sloppy. He's yeah, gotten it's heavier. in
3: ring comparison.
4: I don't know if he's tired. I, I don't know if something else is going on. I don't know if he's lost too much blood. But he was always the brawler, but you could tell his technique was pretty good and to be fair it's it's a similar style to adam page he's just he's just he's just rougher than adam pages um now he it just feels sloppy and it, it, it almost looks borderline dangerous i mean he's lucky adam page was strong enough or aware enough to pivot because they almost missed the table
3: yeah i mean there was there's there's been a number of times since he's come back where just looking at john moxley he looks like he's not healthy um you know even like you know blading aside on tv which was ridiculous if you if you were watching that clip of him blading i mean his skin just looks pasty like there's something wrong with him it looks like he looks like a guy who either has got too much sun or not enough sun or just doesn't have enough blood pumping through his body. He, um, and he's looked like that a number of times on television since he's come back. I don't know if this, I don't know if that's just a a react, his his body reacting to being away from the alcohol. I know that, you know, that's what he went away for originally was to get himself off the booze and good for him. You know, hopefully he's doing well. Um, but there's definitely something wrong with him and even physically like he's looking softer again he was looking in better shape before he went away and now he's looking softer again so yeah, was, hopefully he can figure incredible. it out he's
4: done like i remember we came back from injury in wwe he came back everyone's like, he's jacked i mean once he, he came back in really good shape and when he came back at a rehab about 13 14 months ago he looked he looked in really good shape and and like he lets it go really quickly and I, you know I, I get it you know it's hard you know you're right now you're listening to somebody who basically hasn't exercised in five years and I basically <laughs> went cold turkey I mean you know in all the wrong ways um
3: you know <laughs> cold I mean, turkey and ham and warm turkey and chicken and <laughs>
4: that's right Our turkey you 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 name it uh dark meat white meat doesn't matter the bones <laughs> seeing you um I don't know I you know I I don't I've mused too much on Moxley and what might be going on and and you know I I thought that adding Renee might be helpful to him I'm I'm you know, not exactly sure that it is I mean you know and it may not be anything he just might be anemic or something I, I don't know but so you know it's it's uh, a lot of people in AW sort of fall out of shape uh you know, in fact someone we're going to talk about in probably 45 minutes time um but yeah this this match. but yes we can nitpick but this match at least was had explosion and and the grudge aspects to it you know everyone heard your nitpicks and mine and some of them are nitpicks I mean I think some of them are fairly significant things Uh, I don't think the average AEW fan is going to care I'm not sure the average uh you know casual wrestling fan who watched this would notice um but the blading thing was obscene and again Even when there's good matches, they just don't make sense in the context of the story, you know, unless Tony Khan is trying to get away from trilogies. But if you're getting away from trilogies. Then why did we just have a trilogy? Yeah. Like, what what does it end in? I mean, wrestling sort of always ended in trilogies or best of sevens. I mean, there's really not something in between.
3: Yeah. I mean, they could go with a best of five, I suppose, a first to three or whatever. It's just, it's, it's. It comes across as silly that Tony Khan is constantly trying to change things that don't need to be changed in professional wrestling and yet being completely okay with changing things that have existed and worked forever in professional wrestling um I
4: wish he was actually I I wish I believed he was actually consciously trying to do that I think he just books mm -hmm. me and says okay this is this we're gonna we're gonna start the match with I mean he should know by now that his biggest viewership quarter is going to be right after the Big Bang Theory I mean this match should have been his main event uh you know and he could have started with the Darby Allen Joe match for the title that 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 wouldn't have lost anyone in fact I thought that was a better match um and so I think that would keep people in you know Samoa Joe might not be as famous as John Moxley but he's not far behind and and Darby Allen in AW universe is is certainly co-equal to and page and for outside of AW people don't know either of them. so uh, if anything there's a better chance they might know Darby um so uh, you know I I think I just would change the order up a little bit but I, I don't think Tony Khan thinks of, I think the only one thinks about it is Jericho and make sure he puts himself in those those <laughs> early quarters to get those numbers to make it look like he's a draw but Jericho's doing his cruise now so you know he he's he's gone so oh you know, too bad right uh, yes
3: everyone's very upset about that yeah too too bad jericho's gone we're all sad uh every time every time i talk about jericho lately i feel like i have to hand in my winnipeg jets jersey or something because i just don't give a shit what jericho's doing anymore
4: i have a little jericho cruise news uh one is that Matt Cardona won like the cruise championship or whatever it is, which apparently is not the all Atlantic, uh, which it could be because they're in the Atlantic or at least closer to it than, say, Japan and China, which appears on the all Atlantic title. Um, and Chris Jericho and Dan Housen were a tag team. They were Jericho Hausen. Now, I understand this is shits and giggles. It's non-canon, but like, aren't they supposed to be on like opposite sides of like the face heels spectrum in the company that they work for?
3: oh god uh expecting wrestlers to protect their business anymore is just too much to ask jeff i i guess jericho he's like I mean i get it for dan House. what the hell does he care he's he's i mean
4: he's just a skinny guy who's who stumbled upon something that works and sells merchandise jericho is like a sickle fan trying to, to 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 like like be the remora on like other people's creativity so so now you can sell jericho housing plush buddies or whatever
3: yeah, good for him. Just another thing for Jericho to latch himself onto and try to get over with. Good good for Chris. Matt uh anyway um samoa joe and darby allen have a little video package uh basically nobody gets a rematch after tonight uh we'll move on we'll get to the main event later uh butcher blade and bunny are backstage with jamie Hader. uh bunny says uh, great win on friday uh, great win over a 60 year old lady who's been on tv like a total of four times yeah great win jamie great win um that would be like me beating up a 65 year old man on television and then being super stoked about it yay me anyways uh bunny makes a challenge that gets accepted and uh we cut to the back uh brit baker is getting beaten up by page and tony cakes and uh that's what the matches, end of that segment
4: remind me what matches the bunny has won oh never i mean oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Like, so so she's basically like Sonia Deville without the repeat attack. She just she just needs to ask for a challenge in the interview segment. And and that works.
3: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, no. rankings. I Remember, remember, AEW is going to have rankings and the matches are going to make sense. And, you know, it's all going to be. all going to be great also i have it on i have it on very poor authority that being you know an argument on twitter that um nobody in aew cares at all about how many people are watching the show and uh nobody nobody on tnt or tbs cares either uh they're just happy to have a show um no matter how low the ratings so
4: yeah Yeah. uh the first part of that might be correct (laughs) i mean i think tony khan does in fact care but i'm not sure i mean i think at the end of the day he he you know he's lost so much money i don't i think at this point it's just like an expensive hobby to him which probably for him proportionally is not an expensive hobby but people at tbs and tnt absolutely care whether they're satisfied with the numbers they're getting or not that's something that we won't know until renewal time i mean right now we're all speculating and everybody thinks what they think or want or thinks what they want to believe or thinks whatever their agenda is and but you know you know we're we're all basically guessing or hypothesizing uh and and none of us will know I mean the only thing anyone's going on is something that Meltzer said that the people at, at TNT were happy with 500,000 opening week and so that that then the presumption is they would be happy with 500,000 forever and no growth and since they've never been below that they should be thrilled and a few statements where people have reported that people at Turner are happy whether the people at Discovery Warner Brothers are happy though I've never actually heard it from anyone from Discovery Warner Brothers or or seen a direct quote and there's been I mean the history of media is replete with times where networks said oh yeah we love the show we're very much behind it and then they you know cancel a few weeks later or or whatever the case might be I'm not saying anything that's going to happen it's just you know we we don't have much in the way of actual journalism and wrestling um which is strange because it has enough of a following that, that you'd think that there would be some real journalism could find it you know could find a market you know to, to you know you could actually call himself the the not dirt sheet or something um but but it's not there but okay so the bunny gonna get the him a silk out. sheet the silk sheet Ooh, yeah that's good that's that's money
3: um, yeah there we go. Money.
4: So the bunny she'll
3: step into any match and and okay that's fine and, and have a match yeah, yeah there'll be a match for the match sake uh all right next up we've got the acclaimed they come down to beat up some jobbers i have a quote from the rap uh, i bet you have sex with each other we gotta beat up the bootleg beverly brothers which <laughs> that made me laugh a little bit that was good yeah. Yeah. um quick squash match here uh the guns come out and challenge for the titles afterwards Uh, Dayton doesn't think they deserve a shot. Uh, daddy ass gets pissed off. He says the four of them should beat the crap out of each other. Uh, daddy ass starts to walk away. Colton brings up pills. Uh, Billy Gunn gets real mad, gets in his face. Billy accepts for next week on behalf of the acclaimed. And that's the end of the segment. Um, I don't know. I just kind of feel a little empty about this whole thing. I, I, I'm not here's the thing i don't think that the gun club have a chance to win the titles and if they do i'm gonna be even more disappointed this is one of those situations where you're probably not going to subvert my expectations and if you do it will not be a good thing like like you may subvert my expectations in a way that i just go why the fuck did you do that
4: well if it happens it's probably because daddy asked turns on the acclaimed after turning on his own kids and you know basically a reverse bloodline or maybe the exact bloodline that blood is thicker than water um but all this is happening too fast and too slow at the same time I mean they they tried that family therapy segment it does not it did not work it was not amusing it was not sportsy or entertaining it was not funny but neither but this segment was just as bad maybe worse and I think they should have at least tried to go with the family therapy thing a little bit longer to see if they made it work um maybe let the therapist say something every now and then maybe she could have been funny give her some lines I I I don't know um but they should have like tried at least like five or six sessions before they gave up on that and then go into this but they don't have a match for Revolution which I think is March 5th if I'm not mistaken um and uh you know I I this might be one even though the title matches on wednesdays i guess if there was a win or a change there could be a rematch or if there's some sort of dastardly shenanigans that could be settled at the pay-per-view um i don't know i i like the acclaimed i don't much like the gun club but i know people do and and you know it's not like i turn the tv when they're off i mean they they can be amusing um it's just one of them looks too much like Barney rubble to me I yeah I just I, I don't know which one's Austin or which one's Colton and I don't really care um but uh this this whole thing is has felt very hollow empty and forced the, the whole the whole thing is like you know shenan- it's shenanigans like you know it it feels like bad community theater and and these are you know and I like. Billy Gunn, I I like all these guys I and I like their and their dynamic has been good in the past and it's just you know I I think like Tony lost track of his calendar or something said oh shit I got a pay-per-view and and and, you know every you know every title has to be on every pay-per-view and it needs to be there needs to be 14 matches on a card so this is what I got cooking um like he couldn't even do a story that because of the therapy that they he passed the guns over for this time and it was going to make it and was going to go back to his rankings and you know you know I don't know bring in the gorillas of destiny and you know and and you know some other team from somewhere like a, a ring of who, whoever well I guess you can't do the ring of our tag team champions duh. um but you know uh, pick, you know you know pick you know two other teams to make it a fatal four way and and you know have have that sort of you know, maybe two factions from New Japan represented or something and, you know, pretend it's sort of like a forbidden door, you know, to bring a little star power into it. But I don't know this, this left me flat and obviously I'm stumbling and fumbling through it because I don't know what to say. I I didn't like it and I want and I want to be entertained by these guys. But after the rap is over, I'm not.
3: Yep uh same problem for me with this with this whole segment was i i I like the acclaimed and i mean listen like if you if you're a longtime listener of the skirmish you've heard me say that hey we like these guys we really really like these guys and we've talked about that since you know basically day one we've said hey these guys might have some serious potential like this was i mean three years ago we were saying these guys could be top of the card these guys could be future champs And, you know, now that they're champions, it's, you know, you're watching it and you're entertained by it. You're even a little bit, for me, I can say honestly, like, because I've been thinking this for so long, I'm even a little proud of them for getting to where they are and being as popular as they are. You know, that's awesome. Uh, But I want to see them do something that means something or something that feels big. You know, I want them to, I want the titles to elevate them. I want them to elevate the titles. And right now those titles are more like anchors. Um, and what they're doing with the gun club just seems very, Small. It seems very insignificant. And so, you know, there are other tag teams out there that they could be working with, but now AEW has to, you know, fill out a trios uh, division too. So a lot of the tag teams that they might have feuded with before are now part of the trios title. And of course, the trios championship have to take a bigger place because well who are the trios champion jeff well the evps are so obviously all the good tag teams have to go and work with the trios championship and i just i'm frustrated as a as a, as an audience member and as somebody who's been a fan of the acclaimed for a while i'm frustrated because i just see you know they finally reach the top of the mountain you know their their first title reign and it's being kind of squandered and it, it honestly feels a little bit to me like when hangman won the title um you know everybody was very happy for him and then basically immediately everything that he did was sort of meh you know he mm-hmm. feuded with lance archer meh he feuded mm-hmm. with you know the, the, he had matches with brian cage meh you know it it just it didn't it didn't ever feel significant he never felt like a real world champion and that's kind of how i feel like with the acclaimed uh we're going to take a quick break and then uh we'll be back to talk about uh, jack perry his plans excellent
5: subhan
3: All right, so we're back from break now. Um, Alex Marvez is backstage with Jungle Boy. He says, uh, "Hey, you know, uh, Jungle Hook's been really cool. Uh, what's next for Jungle Hook?" Um, Jack Perry says, "You know, it was it was fun, uh, being in Jungle Hook, but um, but I'm done with tag teams. I am looking for some gold. So before the end of the year, I wanna I wanna be a champion. I wanna be a champion. So, that means that." He's either going to win the the TNT Championship or the uh, the All Atlantic Championship or maybe the ROH TV Championship or the uh, or the some some other Championship somewhere something. He's going to have a belt. Which fuck me, man. Hashtag no more belts. It just gets ridiculous at a at a certain point. I'm I'm going to have a belt by the end of the year, but you don't know which one you're going for. You can't tell us in advance because nobody knows and Tony's just told you well we're gonna get a belt on you here Jack great
4: it'll be the Forests of the World Championship with a picture of a desert on it
3: yeah that that'll make about as much sense as everything else in this fucking
4: company yeah. uh, we're gonna be stuck with jungle hook for for a while I, I I can't I mean I can't wait for the balloon to pop on both these guys I just I, I just need them both out uh yeah i think i want to say one thing about the acclaimed and that is that everyone does love the acclaimed and everyone really did love the acclaimed and still they until they really started sounding like they believed everyone loved the acclaimed i think right around that is when the worm started turning for me um but yeah i you know that that was my only clever little thing on that because I actually you and Jimmy were on the acclaimed right away I can't remember if I liked them right from the start or if I was like eh, I'll wait and see I was i I seem like more of a wait and see guy um but I liked them pretty early on also I I, I bet though if you took a picture of Max Caster now and looked at a picture of him from like 16 months ago we'd be having a similar conversation that we did about Moxley. I, I have noticed that he's gotten a lot smaller and I know he's had some shoulder injuries and he's wearing the the tape, which I'm not sure if it does anything. It's just sort of dramatics, but he looks like he's on
3: the AEW ex- exercise program as well. Not Bowens, Bowens looks great. He looks fantastic. Yeah, that guy definitely, you know, he works out. Um, but uh, did I ever tell you about the funny interaction that I had with Max Bowens or with uh, with uh, Anthony Bowens? Uh no. Okay, so when I was at the uh, when I was at the pay-per-view in Minneapolis, I can't remember which one it was um, full gear. Yeah, it was full gear. Um, Bowens actually showed up uh, about 15 minutes after the show had sort of started and uh, he walked in through the main entrance of the arena, which was funny. Mm -hmm. And uh, he went over to the to the line and sort of waited at the door to get in. And I yelled at him. I said, the acclaimed have arrived late and he <laughs> kind of turned around and laughed at me so that was that was a good time
4: that uh, was a good time
3: yeah um all right so we're going to move on from that uh next up we've got uh kono uh puke uh take a shitta uh he makes an entrance to some really generic metal music um mm-hmm. yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't want him to stand out or anything it's not like you're going to push him and have them get a win over somebody who has one of the 18,000 belts in the wrestling companies that you seem to um think are big deals Brian Cage uh comes to the ring with a Nigerian Prince or something I I don't know who that guy is um yeah tell me about Prince Nana because I honestly I just watched the main shows I don't know who the fuck that guy is
4: he was a manager during the you know the golden era of of Ring of Honor that's to say the era that everybody looks at as the golden era, even though they didn't make any gold uh he probably was a manager in other indies and and other feds as well uh I don't know I only know him from his time in Ring of Honor um but yeah he, he was around until the uh probably the late aughts and in, into probably 2012 2013. then he showed up sporadically but sort of disappeared sort of right around the time the the people who later became the undisputed era were were getting hot with uh in their various facts like adam cole and bullet club and uh fish and o'reilly were i I think they were red dragon then um so. Yeah, but Danny yeah, he has he a pedigree with Ring of Honor. The Ring of Honor fans probably remember him fondly, but it, it's not like he's legendary. And, and I don't quite understand what his role is here other than Tully basically left the company and they figured those three guys needed the mouthpiece and they hired a mouthpiece that barely uses his mouth. So
3: Great, wonderful. Cage also, uh, speaking of useless things, is wearing the ROH uh, Six-Man Tag Team Championship. Um, He's wearing a belt that barely exists on ROH and shouldn't be showcased on AEW television. There's no comment whatsoever about his tag team champions, the people who are apparently the other parts of the six-man tag team champions Mm -hmm. uh, for ROH. Um, They don't help him. They don't show up on TV with him. There's nothing about the three of them that seems to be at all interesting to aew um so much so that they don't even get a mention on television why the fuck is he wearing the belt then
4: i don't know Just it's tell very- him no yeah, especially since he loses pretty much 98 out of every 100 matches he's on AEW tv it does nothing to enhance the prestige of that belt which if tony khan's to be believed he is actually trying to launch the ring of honor honor club which is ten dollars a month they took the pay-per-views off even though they, they were going to be on a one month delay so basically you're paying for what people assume will be a weekly hour long show so basically you're paying two dollars and fifty cents per episode I can't imagine what what kind of a you know market appeal that has um but whatever it is if your champions lose on TV all the time that market appeal has to be lower because you know definitionally they're treated like the you know the the minor league product basically the NXT of AEW and you know but again we we, we've said it before Tony Khan does not want AEW wrestlers to take losses on AEW television whenever possible so he's either going to use the people who are under contract air quotes here to ring of Honor um, or he's going to use people who are sort of on those part-time contracts, like your juice Robinsons and your banditos, uh, and, 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 and the same thing with takashita before who was on loan. Now he's under an AEW contract. So now he's going to have to start getting some wins, um, which, uh, pretty much everyone watching figured would start right
3: now. Yes. Right now. In fact, um, they exchange elbows because of course they fucking do. Um, Cage does an impressive suplex off the apron into the ring. He is a very big, very strong man, which means he's going to lose this match. Um, Takeshka with a stalling German suplex, uh, that's a pretty powerful spot to be able to basically stutter with Brian Cage in a German suplex position and then land it. So, hey, good on the kid. He's definitely a big, tough guy, big, strong, uh, Japanese guy. Uh, Discus Lariat from Cage, followed by a Brain Buster uh, from Takeshka, which Cage literally no-sells. So well,
4: brainbuster, who cares? He's not a human. He's a machine.
3: Yeah. Um, top Rope Brain Buster doesn't even get a pin attempt. And uh, Takeshka wins with a running knee lift. So right. Brian Cage is not a serious professional. Uh, and Takeshka, you know, he looks impressive. Good for him
4: brian cage just celebrated his 39th birthday uh he it's been widely reported that his one-year extension expires within the next few weeks whatever that is i'm not exactly sure but let's just assume it's by the end of february uh who knows if he even makes it to ring of honor but yeah like he has other options and like he really didn't seem perturbed when AEW picked up his option last year and why would he be it's who else is going to hire him wwe's passed on him before um, they certainly don't need a 39-year-old version of him. They already have a 35-year-old version of him in Cross, and they have a 26-year-old version of him in Braun Breaker. Um, so, you know, and and they don't like big guys who do the flippy-do stuff, which is what Brian Cage does bring to the table uh, separately. We don't even need to start talking about the, the guys they have like him that are in their 40s. Um, so, uh, I mean, if I'm Brian Cage... sign sign me up you want me to work do ring of honor tapings once a once a month and I'll do you know four indie shows a week no problem I'm I'm fine Boston you know what collect collect your check young man and keep Melissa Santos in those fitness fitness competitions
3: yeah awesome uh who better than cage lots of people apparently
4: (laughs) uh maybe not many that are smarter for you know maybe not being you know yeah there are some rumors that he's not the smartest of guys.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, hey, he no sells a brain buster, so maybe that's a key that he doesn't have a brain. <laughs> yeah, well, there's nothing to bust in there. God damn it.
4: That 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 would be an excellent defense. <laughs> that the move doesn't work on me. No brain.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 Take that. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> All right. Uh Jericho Appreciation Society. Um, they're backstage. Um Guevara and Garcia set up a gauntlet where Starks would have to beat three of the jas members in order to get another match with jericho so cool
4: where where have i seen this before or right now with mjf or two or once before with jericho and once before with njf and i think once involved the two of them trying to get to each other so there's
3: there's a gauntlet you you've got to run the gauntlet and then and then in the next segment we'll talk about the other gauntlet that has to be run by the other gauntlet runner
4: how long has this company had television for
3: three years
4: right three about three years and what four months uh and uh, they have used this this storyline mechanism four times now
3: yeah it's way overdone and it, look i can forgive it if you take like a six month break between your gauntlet running but I mean if there's literally a gauntlet match like in one segment and then the main event is also a gauntlet segment it's like come on man like
4: Tony I got a great idea I don't care Chris whatever you want okay that was okay. my idea yeah. <laughs> I agree boss
3: my agree my agree my idea was whatever I want cool sweet um yeah I don't have much else to say about this, this it's just
4: the first or second quarter of dynamite yeah yep yeah? okay aces hey I'll see you after the cruise
3: yeah <laughs> i'll get you a sweatshirt i'll get hey 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 boss i'll uh i'll shoot down that uh that balloon for you on the cruise you, you
4: do you want something from from the from the paradise island uh atlantis no i own that oh um do, do you want something from the, <laughs> from the four seasons and then nasa no i own a 25 stake in that too i i have stuff um can i get you anything um weed
3: can you get me some cocaine all right thanks chris uh anyway I, i don't have much to say about this i'm not you know i've i've had these conversations with jimmy jimmy likes jericho appreciation society i don't i i really really don't like this as a group i think that jericho having a group is kind of played out and i think that Maybe part of the reason why I'm tired of Chris Jericho is because for three years he's been part of a group. And I think that as much as, as much as I think he believes that makes him a bigger deal, it kind of doesn't. At a certain point, you need to stand on your own feet, even if you're a heel. And I think that he'd be better off being by himself for a little bit. Because, I mean, he thinks he's elevating guys and he's not. I mean Guevara and garcia are gonna get over as well as they can because they're good or not and the other two guys i don't even care 2.0 is nothing
4: right well he didn't elevate any he didn't elevate anyone from the inner circle and everybody from the js is exactly where they were before uh and hager and Guevara are in exactly the same position they were in from the inner circle I mean it's not even that big a difference in, in the group I mean arguably the only person who was elevated was MJF from his sort of association with the inner circle and the, you know in and out of it with their with their T for two dance and all that stuff um but MJF was probably going to get there anyway uh yeah. on his own and now that he's there he's also another one that you know the, the crowd's still pretending to be happy that they got what they asked for but you know he, he's 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 starting install I'm not saying he's completely stalled because he hasn't but you know he's he's getting repetitive and the only way I think he knows to not be repetitive is to go to the well of you know sort of cheap heat and victimization and, he, and he's you know using the the Jew Nazi thing too to, too much for my tastes and
3: you know I, uh you know if I could if, see him using it if he was facing Gunther. Like I, I could right. see that. You know, you know, the German. You know, well, just
4: imagine the outrage if Gunther used it, saying, "I am going to go after the Jew." I mean, I understand that that is, you know, the hunter versus the hunted is is the you know the position of power is is a different, and you know you're trying to kill someone that's worse. But you know, it's it's just the flip side of the other coin. I mean, it's you know, it's I don't know. I just I just find it distasteful. I find it to be cheap especially with daniel bryan who i mean like if there's ever been a professional wrestler who's been a true you know vegan citizen of the world has his own compost and i mean he actually he actually lives what he believes you know he puts his puts his money where his mouth is uh you know it's. it's it's the wrong guy who may or may not be of some germanic heritage it's the wrong guy to pick that for so
3: yes but he's yes but he's blonde hair blue eyes which means he's automatically guilty of everything that everyone with blonde hair and blue eyes has ever done before that's that that that's what that's what i that's what i've been given to believe at least so
4: he's not even that blonde i'm not even sure his eyes are blue i guess they are i don't i don't know um and also you know well you know i'm not going to say this about mjf because i'm not going to criticize him because you know jews writ large and i'm part jewish i think most people know that i think most people assume i'm I'm all the way and uh jews rich large are are conflicted because they want to be progressive so they want to be progressive they're generally under the democratic party uh and so they often find themselves in a position where they have to be against other jews or or themselves self-hating so I'm actually I'm actually sort of proud of MJF for being this young and being at this outspoken on social media about his Jewishness. Like on Holocaust Day, he he tweeted it's, it's it's International Holocaust Remembrance Day, six million Jews dead. Uh you know, which is very much out of character. So he does care about it to his core. So he, he does live that. So good for him on that, especially in an era where you have so many Jews who, you know, go in contortions to, you know, sort of, you know avoid being Jewish. Yeah, avoid being jewish and to support things that are you know yeah i no one's going to say that israel is a perfect state but you know to actually support the enemies of israel is like the like the least jewish thing you could do if if you actually are religious i mean that oral contract for that parcel of land is sort of the well one of the main linchpins of of, of that little that little uh doctrine so anyway that, that was that was quite well and even
3: if you don't even if you don't never like even if you can well i will we'll we'll take a little segue here on this because i like this kind of conversation (laughs) but like even if you're not religious like even if you're not a religious person I, i was just having this conversation with my girlfriend last night who's aboriginal um and she was saying that you know it would be a lot easier if uh, if aboriginal people had a real country to call their home and i said well that's one of the reasons why i think why i like support israel as a state um not because israel's perfect but because jewish people deserve a homeland um they deserve a place to call their own and even if you can take the holocaust out of history the previous 400 years of how jewish people were treated by most european states should point to the Jewish people should probably have a home to call their own um and so yeah I mean I I think it's great when people support those kinds of things and listen I mean if you're you know if you're on the other side of it I mean good for you too and I have no hatred for you but me personally I'm very supportive of of the Jewish people having their own home to call their own I, I think it's important once a them. country's existed for 50 years or so
4: you got it, it it's time to move on to plan B As you know I, you know I know that sounds trite but I mean sometimes you just have to live in the world that is rather than the the world you wish but um yeah I you know lots of peoples want their homeland and the thing is most people don't think about it but they do have their homeland so the ones that don't of course they're they, they they feel marginalized and whatnot and some people get their own homeland and they sort of you know it's a struggle a lot of times it's a struggle because they're often small and you know not a lot of you know not a lot of population a lot of money and you know having a country is is a big to do Um, it's hard it's difficult yeah it's it's very turns out
3: running a country's hard
4: (laughs) yeah wow I I mean one of the things that people always never understand why the the citizens of Puerto Rico routinely decide not to be a state uh and and enjoy their status um because it's hard it's hard to be a state there's a lot of burdens put upon States uh that are not necessarily put upon territories and I think that they're wise to do that um you know I mean obviously it's their choice They 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 make the referendums but they they've pretty much rejected statehood you know almost every time it comes up and uh, you know I think because they've they've looked around and said yeah that doesn't look like such a good idea to us
1: yeah, We sort I of have exactly. a
4: fairly good thing going here um and most of their problems seem to be from the you know the autonomous the governor and the mayor and um you know I'm sure there's plenty of I don't know enough about Puerto Rican intra-Puerto Rican politics but I'm sure there's plenty of blame to go around there always is um but I think that you know like you said it's hard managing things are hard um and so is doing a wrestling podcast, apparently.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, apparently sticking on uh, you know staying on on target when you're talking about AEW dynamite can be difficult. Um next the next segment we're gonna talk about here, the elite are in a gym somewhere. Um the faces of the elite that are faces, mm-hmm. they're good guys. Good guys. Uh, even though they're still obnoxious and they still treat their lackeys like shit, and still have lackeys, and yeah. are still being managed by Cyrus the Virus, um, lots of lackeys: Don Callis, Michael Nakazawa, Brandon Cutler,
4: who they always tell him to shut the hell up or turn the damn camera off. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's a whole weird vibe there going on.
3: Yep um anyway they accept a match for next week against Fox and top flight uh and then not the Hardy family shows up to challenge for Friday too
4: yeah that was great yeah the the definitely not Hardy family definitely not the firm and by the way weren't the gun clubs in the firm at some point like when the firm started uh and it's probably barely mentioned now I mean, not that I miss that group very much, but, like, where's Lee Moriarty and and Big Bill or whatever? I mean, again, not that I need to see really either of them, to be frank with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I need the gun club to be in the firm, but, uh, you know, another group that never made sense and still doesn't make sense. But it even makes less sense than the BCC, though when it came together, at least it made sense in that they were all hired help by MJF. I mean that was that was at least the story that they put together, which which had some coalition. But I mean, from the very first promo with Stokely, made no sense. But yeah, it just, it just strikes me that the not Hardy family, as you put it, is basically Ethan Page, who seems to be bossing around Stokely Hathaway, who's supposed to be the manager, who's supposed to be part of a, an organization called the Firm, that's supposed to have four of the wrestlers that acquired Hardy and and Private Party. But one member of Private Party is injured, so I guess this is the time that the other member of Private Party. Uh, Isaiah Cassidy decided to get a, a personality a backbone to to you know talk back every now and then because he definitely would do it when he had his tag team partner there
3: to watch his back right and then also he sometimes moans at people so that's that's really deep like a child um, because because yeah. the rap of private party is that they're immature
4: and there there's there's another two guys that you know well especially Cassidy who have really decided that they never need to exercise because they're being paid a lot of money to do what they do and why bother
3: yeah exactly who cares you don't need to look at the part you know you don't you Mm -hmm. know you could just you could just show up and you get paid the same uh which is exactly the problem with fucking communism you just show up and you get paid the same (laughs) boss I I feel I feel skinny
4: today what do you think how about we say that you're 215 sounds good I feel better about myself already
3: Uh yes okay well uh Brian Danielson comes to the ring for his match against the debuting Timothy Thatcher uh Thatcher I thought did a solid job attacking the arm which is apropos since his finish is a Fujiwara armbar um I liked how Thatcher worked here uh he seems to be a credible professional wrestler he didn't screw anything up it didn't look silly um he's small but that works against uh brian danielson um i thought that he told i thought that they told a pretty good story here you know thatcher was constantly going for the arm he didn't seem terribly interested in winning the match as much as he was interested in inflicting pain which is kind of his character i suppose um you know daniel Bryan does a good job of selling obviously he's a good you know underdog baby face um if i could have one nitpick for thatcher Uh, His facials, just a bit too much sometimes. Um, I would say don't go to 100 until you need to. If you're at 100 all the time, it means you don't have 100 to go to. Um, But other than that, I thought that they did a pretty good job. Um, There's a ref bump, leads to MJF coming out. Takeshka heads him off. Thatcher locks in the armbar, but Danielson makes the ropes, and then he wins with the Boo Psycho knee. Good little match here. Uh, and we'll talk about the backstage stuff with MJF and Takeshka after but what did you think of this match I mean I agree with you
4: I think the match was good but nobody knew who Timothy Thatcher was so it, it was not impactful I know who Timothy Thatcher was because he was in NXT for a number of years and people said well he was with Noah before what or, or you know with British promotions or something I I didn't know any of that I knew him from NXT but you know uh, you know all the smart fans that didn't even know that he was from NXT but yeah he, he he was a good pick and he did his role but I don't know this whole thing was ruined when he started with Takesha then he went to um Bandido the only thing that made a little sense was Brian Cage and he gave him money to try and hurt the guy I mean he made the mistake of giving him all his money up front uh someone like Timothy Thatcher made sense you know a, a submission guy someone who likes to inflict pain if he also gave him money to hurt him but it really should have been someone that that people knew this would be a good time to bring in, you know, someone like a Minoru Suzuki or whatever for that for that one thing where, where you know, people know, you know, the submission specialist, or the master of pain or something. I mean, I, I can't think of who's a free agent that might be a bigger name that, you know, is roaming around that, that can do that stuff. But I'm sure there's people out there that, uh, you know, that, that have
3: more of a name than Timothy Thatcher. Yeah, you might be able to find someone. Exactly.
4: Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah I think it was a good little match but you know it's almost like Brian Danielson said here's a list of 10 guys I would like to wrestle with and so they shoehorned his wish list into this challenge as opposed to being here's five guys that it makes sense for MJF to try to recruit hire cajole to take Brian out by any means necessary uh at least Thatcher and Cage made some sense given their characters the first two made no sense um I mean unless MJF thought in a nice clean fight they had a reasonable chance of winning but the heel doesn't think that way a Heel thinks that he's the best Ryan's the best so you know take it out you know break his knee you know that that's what a heel should be thinking at least later on MJF who it's the same night is wearing a different outfit which was ret- ridiculous um you know goes goes to uh and you'll cover it but he you know he goes to Rouge, and you know he gives him a, a briefcase of money at least they they solve the the plot fault with with Brian Cage and he says I have five more of these waiting for you after you get the job done which okay didn't pay him all didn't give him all his money up front that makes sense cured that but Roosh as far as I know Roosh has lost all about one match on AW television lost a bunch on Ring of Honor as well I mean he's not credible either Roosh is Roosh is their new Lance Archer it's the it's it's the roar you know Roosh and Brian Cage are your roar guys we're supposed to make a lot of noise who they tell you how great they are but they lose every match I mean and if this, this is to have the dramatic effect it, it needed to grow, grow up a crescendo even if they needed to go outside and and do the Hoover 2 Guerrero and Nick Gage thing again I don't mean the same guys but the same type of thing where you get sort of these big names from the outside or big ish names from the outside that you know you probably wouldn't see on on major TV any other possible way you know e- even if you had to pay impact you know forty thousand dollars to get Josh Alexander on there one week and you know Moose the next Moose, week, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever it was, you know, so, something you know, someone who's a in, you know, an insane wrestler who just you know is, is just tries to kill everyone, like you know, whatever bully Ray, yeah, uh, yeah, bully Ray could do it. I'm sure there's younger versions. I mean, there's this, I know Billy Corgan hates Tony Khan at this point, but there are people on the NWA roster, whatever that is, that you know, like a Odinson, or whatever that you know, that indie fans mind like, and at least he looks the part and looks like he'd want to, you know, he does look a little bit like discount Brock Lesnar. Um, but he looks more like a Viking than say the Viking Raiders. Um, yeah. anyway, I just that this done the story made sense, but the, that's just fine. Timothy is a good wrestler, he's a very competent technical wrestler. It's just there's the you know, the, the pure ring of honor technical wrestling style, you know one match per show it's fine but as far as you know it's large appeal I I mean I think it's sort of like a seventy-five thousand, you know viewer audience for that
3: yeah I mean I agree with you and I think that like I said you know the reason why I brought up bully Ray is we were talking about how like is there a guy out there somewhere that they could have got to bring in with a slightly bigger name than Timothy Thatcher I think bully Ray you know bully Ray is a good is a good call there um PCO comes
4: to mind. Vince,
3: he looks yeah. he looks crazy even if you didn't hear of him once you see
4: him he looks crazy right. um I don't know anyway it's, it's probably not all that important but yeah it's again to the one who chases MJF away not um not the Blackpool combat Club and to going to get an elimination match with MJF which I don't know maybe if he wins it I guess puts him in line for the next mini mini feud and gives people hope to think that to might be the champion no he won't but you know okay you know good for him he's he you know he's a young wrestler he he should take more L's um he wrestles a lot like Adam page too he he, you know they wrestle a very similar complimentary style um but he's I don't I was gonna say he's better I'm not sure he's better He, he might be a little bit better but I mean at least Adam page can speak English but maybe it's better if he didn't so i'm i'm having a little argument with myself which is not particularly useful
3: to this podcast uh, no it's good you, you go ahead um i think that Takeshka is he's definitely larger than adam page uh, i think that he fills out a little bit better than adam page um also i've never seen him wear trunks with butterflies on him, so that's good um you know there's all kinds of pluses there for Takeshka, mm-hmm. but he should not be feuding with MJF. I mean, one of the biggest problems with Adam Page's run at, with the title was that he was feuding with people who you knew didn't have a chance to win the title, which doesn't make him seem strong as a champion. It makes him seem like, why is he possibly fucking going after that guy? And, you know, Takeshka, if, if that was the story, if MJF was going, yeah, you know, I'm I'm going to defend my title, against a real, you know, formidable opponent, and, you know, you all know him, and you all, you know, you all love him and support him, it's uh, Takeshka. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be good, but that's not what they're doing here. That's not what, like, that's not the story here. It's that Takeshka is so good, he's right there, you know, he's he's right there, and he he shows, he has a real chance against MJF. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's, I mean, having, what, like his 15th match? that yeah. anyone's ever seen come on
4: well i I'll say that. I'd rather be to catch someone that looks like him and someone that works like him rather than action Andretti uh oh, yeah uh, wheel of Yuta, uh Daniel Garcia Jungle Boy hook all, all these sort of obscenely small um sort of ridiculous wrestlers I, I mean I would rather be a, a young guy that, that looks like Takeshi looks like a wrestler and can wrestle too I mean you know there are bigger people who can do both that's that's my preference I mean every other sport gets bigger stronger faster not professional wrestling we're, we're getting uh smaller and weaker maybe faster I don't know but uh I I don't know that the speed necessarily is always a good thing in wrestling
3: yeah I don't know I mean Hulk Hogan not incredibly fast sold mm-hmm. millions and millions and millions of tickets just saying uh Andre. I was in the, uh spry yeah um all right so uh yeah mjf and takeshka they have a little brawl backstage renee comes in and says i've just been told yes um that they're gonna have a wrestling match next week it's gonna be a a title eliminator right which is what i don't know uh jeff what what is a fucking title eliminator what like explain these terms to me otherwise I'm just gonna go I don't know what that means I don't know what that means to this company
4: well I think it's what they did in WWE which infuriated me when they had the championship contender matches where if the non-champion wins the match they will then parlay that into a title shot Um, so I think that's what it means but if you lose I guess that you would be eliminated from a title shot I don't know forever or for three weeks or until they forget it speaking of things they've forgotten i mean not that i miss him but has anyone heard action andretti's name or seen his face in like three weeks no
3: and do not miss him no
4: do you think that maybe they had him cleaning the cabins on the jericho cruise first yeah. Yeah. yes mr jericho your your, your bed it's, it's all tied yes i, I put on the uh, egg
3: crates to, to make sure it's nice and soft for you maybe uh he's probably small enough to do a lot of that stuff on on a cruise you know cabin boy, cabin you, have boy be, andretti. <laughs> you have to be tiny yeah cabin boy andretti hey you know what that would be honestly i think that that would be a better character for him i think he could pull that off that action yeah because action implies you know <laughs> that you can do stuff mm-hmm. um all right. Anyway, uh, backstage, there's a backstage segment here as Roosh uh, is being told that he's going to face uh, Danielson. MJF gives him some money, uh, says to to beat him up. It's meant to sort of come across as a real tense meeting here between Roosh, who is clearly a dangerous gangster, and uh, and MJF who, you know, just can't really keep his mouth shut in these kinds of situations. Roosh looks like if psychosis let himself go so i i'm not intimidated by him should i be jeff i don't i don't i is am i wrong in thinking that that's where they were that that's what the expectation was here that oh roosh is backstage he's a serious threat like is that what they were trying to tell me
4: i think so and the the, you know i think it's the story was supposed to be it's not the way it was portrayed that MJF is so obnoxious that nobody likes him and that and that Russian exclusive crew uh you know doesn't like anybody um but they haven't done anything with Russia's exclusive crew because of course it wasn't supposed to be Russia's exclusive crew it was supposed to be Andrade's crew which wasn't all that exclusive in the beginning uh acquiring the contract of Hardy and the private the private party and the butcher and the blade and the bunny if we recall but the butcher and the bunny and the blade just sort of walked away and then they traded hardy and private party away to the the firm that only exists in in theory now in some other metaverse but roosh I mean, if you are an inside wrestling person, you would know that he has a reputation for not playing nice to the, you know, to getting into scraps backstage, you know, sort of him and Andretti were sort of backstage bullies. Roosh, especially would, you know, do things hard way. And would, do you know, sort of like how people talked about Brock Lesnar, you know, you don't, don't make him mad and it's easy to make him mad. Um, Roosh, however, was on the shelf for almost a year when he was still with ring of honor he had to give up the championship because he really screwed up his leg and he it's taken him a while to get back into shape and because he works for aw he no longer has to be in shape so you could see him softening up and getting you know round in the belly and he's losing that definition and his and his chest while well, it's, it's He still pectoral muscles they're not the pronounced ones with the lines and everything it's just you can tell that he's someone who worked out for a while and it, it it's slowly dripping slowly god knows i know what that feels and looks like um and he he's on that aew exercise program he does he's paid enough he doesn't need to exercise um but no i you know just if you're an aew land he doesn't win any matches so why would you be afraid of him
3: Right. No, exactly. Uh, and I. this is something that I have sort of consistently noticed with AEW, too, especially recently. Um, I honestly, like, I don't mean to just say it like, like this, but it seems to me like the Jags having that playoff push um, basically made it so that Tony Khan was, like, up all night every night and had no idea what he was doing uh, for at least a few weeks here. Um, you know, just... Cocaine and hookers, steady diet, no ability to actually get any work done. Um, (laughs) Honestly, I have no other explanation other than, well, his football team was on a playoff push and he was doing a lot of coke uh, because they're they're trying to make you feel sorry for people who you you're not going to feel sorry for. They were clearly trying to push jungle hook as a thing. And now they're not, now it's not a thing anymore and he doesn't care about the hook thing. And that's not really a thing anymore. Um, We'll get into it after we've got another break here coming up, but as soon as we get back from the break, we'll talk about, you know, the evil, you know, Jade Cargill consoling her crying daughter on the way back from the ring. This guy is just very confused as a booker he doesn't know what the fuck is going on um we'll, I think he pays
4: uh, the hookers the same way with, like the AW wrestlers he pays them to do nothing
3: yeah awesome hey here's some coke don't worry you don't have to work out I'll fuck you with a punch um anyways <laughs> we'll take a break and uh and we'll talk about red velvet and Jade Cargill in this excellent matchup
1: Hello, this is Homeboy88 of the Homeboy88 Podcast. If you like hip hop, video games, pro wrestling, conspiracy theories, and comedy, come check out the Homeboy88 Podcast, constantly in the top Apple Podcast charts. Check out my back catalog featuring some of the funniest wrestling shows ever created. The Homeboy88 Podcast. Search for it and listen today.
3: all right back from break final break of the show here and uh we're gonna get into um well we're gonna get into a match jeff um a match between red velvet and jade cargill and um i don't know man i i really like jade cargill as a character This was rough to watch. I I had a really hard time with this. This seemed like two people who aren't really TV ready. Um, They were stepping on each other's toes. There was stuttering, waiting for each other to get in place. Um, At one point, Velvet lands a lung blower. It's called a lung blower, and Jade sells her nose. (laughs) Uh I've seen Jade get by and have decent matches with the right opponent, uh, but ooh, this was not it. Kira Hogan provides a distraction for a near fall. Nobody bought it. Uh, Jade wins with her finish. She's 50-0. Um, not a good match. Like The match itself was really bad. Um, the optics afterwards were absolutely ridiculous. Uh, jade cargill who is the bad guy i am told confidently is a heel
5: mm-hmm.
3: um picks up her crying daughter not not just her daughter who's at ringside with like a smart ass look on her face you know look my mommy's better than your mommy or anything like that literally crying <laughs> mom, you're just getting a- hurt a-, a balling toddler yeah bawling, a balling toddler like maybe then, a two-year-old, three-year-old, something like that. Is then picked up by the heel and consoled on her way back.
4: Uh right. She she at least knew not to walk up the ramp so the camera would see it the whole time. She walked like sort of in that little partition between the 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 ramp and the where the interviews and the commentary is. Um, so this was supposed this was Jade's 50th match. This was to get her to 50 and oh. Should have been a big deal. Um the opponent was red velvet not to put her down but Red Velvet's not a big deal jade
3: cargill has beaten red velvet several times in the past she's been her bad she called it out herself she was the one in one and oh literally she like she was the first person that jade cargill wrestled and beat
4: right and i'm sure that she was more than just one she was probably one seven 14 22 and this whole thing with the baddies and the ever-changing baddies never made any sense so this was this was a story that felt forced right from jump um the other baddie Layla Gray really didn't do anything and then Kiara Hogan another former baddie that was just let go for reasons um as you said provides a distraction but the distraction actually works against red velvet in the end which you know maybe is going to be a story uh you know so the this this it's gonna be like baddie on baddie violence like the four of them are like forever in like some like uh spiral where they just have to keep on doing the do-si-do and fighting each other forever um yeah and it wasn't a good match and one of the reasons I point out that and you establish it she was one to know that it's not like these women haven't worked together nobody's worked more together than these two women and one of the things about red velvet is she was trained in the QT Marshall Dustin Rhodes uh school so they have confidence in her. Um and you know she was one of the people that when Cody left that everyone's like, oh boy, everybody, you know, if Tony's spiteful, Dustin, QT, Red Velvet, Lee Shotty, Brock Anderson, Arner, they they all they all let her just pack their bags. It didn't actually happen. Um but you know people worried but uh but actually red velvet as a baddie that was working she didn't have to do any much she was in a big position and this is like a giant step backwards and and it wasn't a good match and i've seen red velvet in good matches i've seen jade cargill in matches that were fine for her size and her style you'd think she'd have an easier time of it with a, a smaller wrestler red velvet's very small um but she didn't. um And you'd think they were familiar and they worked with each other before, and it looked like they'd never met before. And just the whole, the whole thing was weird. And, and like you said, it only got weirder. But it, I mean, for a 50th match, it felt very incidental. And I know that AW doesn't want any of their important people to ever take L's. But what do you have Sheeta and Riho in catering for if not to be the supposed big wrestler that, that Jade Cargill could get her 50th win against and it means something?
3: or go outside do do something do something you know listen also i mean this was something that i i found kind of hilarious this should have been a big deal 50 and 0 um it should have been a big deal it's also literally the 1st of february what is february it is uh, black history month
4: that's what my notes tell me
3: jade cargill a black wrestler going <laughs> 50 and 0 on the first day of black history month why not bring in Ivory for a match? Why not and and just just sell it as former world champion Ivory, you know, have a quick 30-second video vignette last week from Ivory saying, you know, I know you're at 49 and 0, but you've never faced anyone with my pedigree. You've never faced anyone with my history and I'm coming for you. You know, you're not getting to 50 and 0 you know you'll have to go through me whatever they 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 can do something like that where okay like at least at least there's somebody here who looks like they could possibly be like some kind of a some kind of a a notch under her belt anyway like uh but no they just they went with oh they she's going to beat red velvet again and then nothing you know nothing afterwards they they could have had they could have made a bigger deal out of the victory, too. They could have had, you know, uh, some kind of a light show or pyro or something to celebrate 50-0. and 0. There was a lot of missed opportunity here, like a lot.
4: A cake to turn that frown upside down for that younger yeah. younger in the ring. I mean, well, four-year-old doesn't like a cake. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's there a lot of missed opportunities here. But as you said, the most important part of it, not a good match not well booked and don't don't have your young daughter there ringside have her backstage I mean a a kid that young isn't supposed to understand what wrestling is so they see mommy's in a fight you know how how many times do you have to undo that that mommy wasn't in a real fight it was just theater no we don't fight in real life I mean what, like if that kid gets into a fight at preschool the next day whose fault is it I I mean you know I I don't know it's just just a whole host of real world and wrestling world I- I- issues that that you know were not aided by this and it did again 50th should have been special maybe they should have waited for the pay-per-view and like you said brought in somebody from the outside you know i don't know if a 60 year old ivory is the pick but uh, you know but you know it doesn't matter you you could have brought in jazz you could have bring an ODB you could bring in Max the Impaler, who people don't necessarily know who she is but she's a scary looking specimen or they is a scary looking specimen that is the preferred pronoun uh I can't believe I have to remember things like this um you could bring Camille back so wanting to run that one back I mean who you know people might know who Camille is and she she has a presence I, I don't know there are there are women who are underemployed or more or less free that they could come and you know come in and and pay
3: impact you know. to let diana perazzo come over for a match it, like there's so, a lot of women out there that they could have that they could have went to to make a big deal out of 50. And i 0. have out yeah yeah i mean if they're
4: i mean i don't you know easier said than done i suppose but you know tony khan's paid tens of thousands of dollars for really stupid things like songs that nobody wants to hear I was gonna say, how much money is he
3: paying for jungle boy's theme for fuck's sakes like yeah.
4: I mean, Billy Corkin can't possibly be making thirty thousand dollars a month gross from uh, from NWA. Pay him thirty thousand dollars to to let you use Camille. I, I mean, Taya Valkyrie may be under his contract. I know she works for MLW and AAA as well, and I know AAA isn't fond of AW. And you know, but a lot of pesos can can cure a lot of ill will for one appearance.
3: Yeah, I can tell you, in Mexico, a lot of pesos can make things happen. Yeah. <laughs>
4: and yeah but that's probably enough about this match which is a shame because I'm a fan of Jade I'm a fan of the baddies and my favorite compilation of baddies was Layla Gray and Red Velvet together as you know I'm often on dollar club wrestling and my dollars usually go to Layla Gray that's just sort of I have a type but people don't know how torn I am every week in not giving that dollar to red velvet and Jade Cargill in that order because it's it, it almost always goes to Layla and sometimes it just depends on what they're wearing that night and how much boobage is showing yeah <laughs> you know, that, that's, that, that's the way I roll um but Jeff yeah, is a simple man I'm a very simple man yeah so I don't know this yeah you're right this was a fail, and and it's an unfortunate fail
3: for sure uh brit baker is backstage she says she's okay after getting jumped ruby soho comes to apologize brit doesn't want the apology she says she doesn't trust ruby soho uh this is getting my jimmy crack horn and i don't care um of the night and we're gonna leave it alone jeff um, yeah
4: why would ruby care if brit's okay and and wouldn't ruby be the one not to trust heel brick who's been a heel basically the
3: entire time she's you're right let's just move it yeah it's stupid all right the tnt titles on the line as samoa joe uh takes on darby allen uh joe comes down with his roh tv title which uh, just continuously makes me chuckle because roh doesn't have tv so he's the he's the television champion of a company that doesn't have television
4: says everyone's cutting cord and there is no tv anymore tv doesn't matter anymore so maybe metaphorically it's exactly correct
3: yeah maybe he should call himself the, the. maybe they should rename it the roh streaming championship
4: yeah would would it be would it be a metaphor or is that an analogy is it is
3: it a parable is it an allegory which is it Chris you're the you're you're the writer here ooh um I would probably call it a parable is is what I would say is yeah because you're you're yeah okay um anyway Taz and Tony Schiavone are not a good mix I I honestly try to ignore Maskico as much as I possibly can uh mm-hmm. because he just sounds like he's reading an infomercial at all times but um it was noticeable. So, um this week, uh spoilers for everybody. I'm going to be on the Impact Attack. Um and which meant that I watched Impact and which meant that I watched a little bit of uh, Impact in 60, which is a a clip show that they show on the Canadian version of the Fight Network before they show Impact. And I was watching and I was watching and I was listening to Taz uh do commentary in Impact a number of years ago. Um with uh mike Tanay. that was a very good mix Um, uh, mike Tanay comes across as somebody who's very knowledgeable knows what he's talking about and isn't playing a character he comes across as a guy who's a very good straight man taz is good as sort of a tweener role he knows what he's talking about but you know who he is when he's talking he's taz he's he's taz you know he's taz Mm -hmm. and uh and tony shivani is an absolute fucking goof um i I love tony like everybody else loves tony for the nostalgia factor and you know just randomly saying people's names really high-pitched is great but like he's not a good he's not a good play-by-play guy and this mix is not I don't like it. I miss JR whenever he's not there.
4: He's also like a 61-year-old man who desperately wants to be a 45-year-old man. Yeah. Like he's not even like shooting for 25.
3: Yeah, he just really wishes he was still young enough to fuck some of the women on this roster.
4: Right. And and need to be like in the progressive commercial <laughs> where the guys coaching people not to become their parents. Um so um But yeah, um but yeah, Joe comes out and this this was a trilogy. I thought the first match where Joe killed Darby was perfect i thought it was maybe one of the best matches i've seen on aw television in in the context of the story and how the match played out i mean there have been other good matches but didn't like for instance we were talking about adam page earlier his first title defense was a 60-minute draw with brian danielson great match made zero sense did nothing to help adam page did nothing to help Brian danielson mm-hmm. and was a terrible way to start his reign um and they realized it so then they brought in the the hurricane uh lance harcher and by hurricane i mean makes a lot of noise causes some damage but then goes away and is never heard from again or not heard from again for until next hurricane season um but yeah so and then the second match I didn't love it because it looked like Joe was a sort of an idiot but I guess the story was that Darby changed his game around he just let let it all fly and Joe wasn't ready for it for Darby's aggressiveness and he, and once Darby got the upper hand he never let it go and and he beat Joe okay fine and he you know whatever so uh, you know Joe got his rematch just for asking for it Darby's been this stupid before lots of wrestlers are he granted it which was dumb but they said hey neither one of us gets a rematch again so I'm cool with it either way um and then the match starts so Chris I'll hand it back to you
3: yeah so Darby first of all he starts off the match wearing a thumbtack hoodie which I thought was kind of a clever interesting little thing um you know I I like this I I do like Darby Allen in terms of like as a talent I actually I think that he wins too many matches And I think it's actually to his character detriment that he wins as often as he does against the kind of competition that he sometimes wins against. But I do like him. I think he has a good mind for the business. Uh, Both guys are bleeding within a couple of minutes. They fight up the steps in the arena. Now, again, both guys are bleeding within a couple of minutes. Why the fuck was their color in your opener? Ugh, just amateurish garbage. Uh, Darby being Darby sells like a champ for most of this match. Um, yeah, Joe throws Darby all over the damn place. At one point, he literally just picked him up and threw him out of the ring. Um, which I actually thought was a missed spot. I thought he was going for the table with that uh mm-hmm. for a minute. Um, but no, it was just it was just Darby letting Joe do whatever the fuck he wanted, because Darby is a mad, mad person. <laughs>
4: we also just accept that he's he's I, I will accept that the 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 undersized wrestler can win some matches, but we all have to accept he's not likely gonna have a long career.
3: Yeah. Uh it's a brutal match. Darby uh is exactly what you've come to expect. Darby spells he spends 95% of the time selling, and then he does something insane to try to get back into it. Uh there was that super hard running dive that he does. He did that into a table uh that Joe was holding at the time. That looked brutal. It sounded brutal. He's he's really really hurting himself as he does this. And I mean, you know, you're watching it, and it it is the right way for him to to be offensive. I mean, a guy that small should have to put all of himself into an attack against a guy the size of Joe. So I don't mind it. Um, he spends about five minutes cutting the ring mat off, though. Which I mean, you gotta you gotta make sure this is set up. I mean rather than having an exacto knife have a machete something that can't easily break because you could see that that exacto knife basically broke the first time he went to use it and he was stuck
4: saws you know a wood saw that that might be useful when you're building you know something that might be under a tool case but you're exactly this took so long and who on earth believes it takes samoa joe that long to recover i mean when you say five minutes you're not exaggerating it was a five minute or i thought the ref was actually going to start helping him cut
3: Yeah, at one point, I thought, my goodness, at one point, I actually thought that they were going to do something that the crowd was going to do something that they did with Roman at one point, uh, where when Roman was still was still sort of being pushed down our throat, pushed down our throats, quote, Mm -hmm. unquote, um, when he was selling for about five minutes in a match, and the crowd started chanting, Roman sleeping. (laughs) I I really thought that they were going to start saying, you know, Joe is sleeping. Mm -hmm. But no, uh, Joe wasn't sleeping. It just took way too long to take the padding off, Um, which, again, don't show me that there's padding underneath the wrestling ring. It's not a good thing to show the audience. Like, so everything that happened before was on padding. Like, all of the moves that we saw that were supposed to be so devastating, we can now clearly see that there was this much padding underneath. You know, like it's a mind that's a minor thing right compared to the five minutes it took to take this thing off but there are little things that you just shouldn't do um joe gets thumbed in the eyes darby goes nuts with the chair shots uh joe eventually takes back over lands a muscle buster a muscle buster on the exposed pine for the win um yeah it was a really good match actually i i really liked this match It was, you know, as you said about their first match, it was mostly booked properly. The little guy, you know, he had to go to extreme lengths just to get in a few little bits of offense. And Joe mostly dominated this smaller man um, and sold a few of the more violent things that Darby did, but eventually won the match. It's good booking. I wish that they would have just done this two straight, but I mean, hey, they want to go three. That's fine. Um, Joe's your champion and before we get into what happened afterwards just uh yeah your thoughts on the match and the finish Jeff
4: well well, I agree with pretty much everything you said aside from the amount of time it it took to cut off the the to cut open the ring and get the the ties the what are those was called the, the the plastic ties you know to unsnap them to unfasten it to expose the the mat uh the rest of the match was really really good I I really I'm baffled why they gave Darby this title for such a short period of time I mean I don't think it was the original plan I think what they realized is oh we made a giant mistake we were we, we were supposed to do Joe Wardlow so why they get caught up in this Darby thing and and him with sting is still working so I mean I guess you can say he's a two-time TNT champion but so what uh you know he's got the the, the distinction of having one of the shorter reigns but they've had a lot of short reigns with that title uh um so that was dumb I don't really think it helped Darby but okay but I this I enjoyed it you know two out of three matches very much and if I knew it was gonna be a trilogy I never thought there would be a trilogy so if I knew it was going to be a trilogy maybe I would have liked the second match more with the story that it told um but uh yeah I I don't think there's a need to go much in it this this was the best match on the card and it made yeah. the most sense on the card and I and this is what frustrates me about AEW because they can do things right and when they do things right they can get them really right it's it's just they it's either they have too many people inputting that there's like no continuity or the one person who is in charge of everything just doesn't give a damn
3: yeah well and my problem with this like my biggest problem with this was um it was a really good match i felt like the crowd got into it but imagine how into it the crowd would have been if they hadn't been inundated with chair shots and power bombs through table and bleeding all over the place in the first match like if they would have just built if they would have had the first match be a simple you know back and forth type wrestling match have a tag match on here that's similar right you build 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 you get to the main event the main event shows you the blood and the chair shots and the going through the table and all this other stuff and that's the first time you've seen it that night then you get the proper reaction from the crowd and i think that even as somebody watching on tv you get a better reaction from those from from it if you haven't seen it already that night it's just i mean amateurish decisions in terms of the production of the show um but hats off to joe and darby who i thought did a really really excellent job in this match and um yeah i mean we'll we'll get into what happened afterwards so wardlow's music hits basically nobody knew it was wardlow um like his music hit and i think literally the crowd was silent for a moment because they went what the fuck is
4: very poorly defined it's 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 completely generic you know hard-ass music
3: yeah um as jimmy suggested last week i thought that he was pretty clever to think this um he said listen like when wardlow comes back it's not even going to be a cool visual because when he lost he got his head shaved He's gonna come back with his fucking hair back you know because it was five weeks or six weeks from the time that he lost that match and sure enough out comes wardlow looking exactly how he did before he got his head shaved so no matter,
4: he, he had a you know he had basically like a, a flat top like he had a a, a nicely coiffed fade it, it's you know he he, he 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 you know he looked good but you know the crowd they recognized him he was he was you know dressed in a suit with a shirt you know doing the open button thing you know like I'm a total badass and you know whatever at least the crowd remembered he's still over despite all damage that was done so you know people always say you think it's too late you think it's irreparable and I kept going no I don't think it is I don't think it's too late especially in AEW And people are like yeah it's too late I'm like God, I really don't think so and it looks like it's not so okay so listen thank goodness for the forgiving AEW fan base who forgave all that and now we're going to get the feed we were supposed to get and I think it'll be cool I hope that Wardlow can hang with Joe and I do expect that Wardlow is going to win his TNT belt back at uh what is this revolution coming up uh I imagine the ring of Honor title won't be on the line so that Joe can successfully carry that into the honor of Honor Club going forward for two dollars and fifty cents a month I'm sure that's going to be a bargain at any price uh but yeah I mean I think this was the end and and obviously that's why this had to be the main event because of all the shenanigans they did with the ring which by the way i think was totally unnecessary period because he could have done the same spot on the outside of the ring you know or in the crowd as he they did spots before on the concrete and then just dragged him into the into the ring again and you know then you know then done the coquina clutch and 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 then another muscle buster and done the win it would have been just as effective maybe more effective um without all that that stupidity uh and they could have easily opened the show with with uh Brian Danielson um and uh Timothy Thatcher with the MJF Takeshita thing and you know and then gone into the 50th match and you could have ended with Moxley hangman Joe Darby in whichever order um so I I don't know I mean I think a better way to keep the audience isn't I mean if you already know that your your first quarters are the best you keep the audience with the promise of these big title matches coming later um I you know but but what do I know or at least the big names like settling their grudge you know who who's going to be taken out on a stretcher tonight um yeah but.
3: well I mean you know WWE for you know for I mean how many times did you watch Raw and it opened with Stone Cold Steve Austin having some kind of a problem with someone that you knew was going to be resolved at the end of the night that was I mean sometimes things are cliche because they fucking work you know that's sometimes in storytelling things that are cliche are cliche because that's how people connect to things you know um yeah i I thought this was a good show like i i was i didn't come away from this show going oh god what a boring piece of crap show but i came away from this show you know perplexed as to you know them dropping the ball with the whole 50 and zero thing i definitely came away thinking you know my god they they should have left hangman and mox for another night like they should have just done it another night and had a a a simpler match to start off with um you you don't want to do two matches in one night that have table spots and blood that's it takes away from the table spots and the blood you know the old saying is if you've got six seven footers you have no Giants
4: yep it felt like they did it simply because Mox's dad could be there which added zero you had Mox's dad and Jade's daughter I mean this is not useful TV this is not like bring your family to to work day or maybe it was what do I know um but yeah I I you know I like Dynamite this week I like Dynamite more than I liked raw I didn't like it more than I liked SmackDown uh but you know Dynamite was probably my second favorite wrestling show of the week I mean you know it's it's hard to say because I mean I really enjoyed the rumble and I also really enjoyed um uh, Vengeance Day um you know that this uh the weekend after and it's you know depending on how you measure a week um but I thought it was a good dynamite but I knew that the numbers were going to go down because the week before the numbers were artificially inflated for Mark Briscoe who you know rest in peace you know I actually was a fan of Mark Briscoe I think most people who watch probably had only sort of heard of them but still they tuned in to together to for their curiosity fix and for the tribute and that was fine um but this show you know it slid back to 900 901 whatever it was you know getting ever further you know drip you know going back to sort of it's steady drop back into the 800s where it'll probably you know settle you know by the middle of the summer but I keep saying that and I keep being wrong
3: but, yeah. yeah we'll see we'll see where it goes but uh yeah that was Dynamite and uh that's been the skirmish Jeff where can the people find you uh, well wait, where can they find
4: you wait, where is it well I guess you'll tell them where the impact the attack is um where they can find me oftentimes here at the PwC uh including my wrestling show this with non-PwC people well I guess I am I'm one of them but Big Daddy Cool Steve Pena Hammerlock hangover you can watch it here, or listen to it here at the PwC um my non-wrestling podcast A Garden of Doom and Garden Views Garden of Doom is an eclectic mix of topics that make me curious, uh, and we explore things around the world, within the world, adjacent to the world, outside of the world, and beyond, and Garden Views is a little bit more topical uh, with legal and and uh, topical issues with what I think would be broadband interests like cryptocurrency and cybersecurity, cannabis law, things like that, that... Uh, Hopefully have some entertainment value to you so that's where you can find me i'm trying to plug um my outrageously beautiful fiance's interview with lani Papo, which is on her youtube channel Vivir la Magia uh con viviana um and it's on youtube it's free uh, it's an hour long and it's and it's a her interview with lani Papo uh about ecuador he moved to ecuador and they were you know he was still familiarizing himself with the country and uh, he doesn't really speak Spanish, she only sort of spoke English, it was sort of cute, it was sort of weird, but it's fun, and, but I think you got a rare insight into what a real shoot interview was, because it had almost nothing to do with wrestling, except when, you know, Lanny basically brought it up. Um, and if you don't like the interview, my fiance is outrageously beautiful, and, and she loves sporting cleavage, which I love too, so, I, you know, I, so you'll get some good boobage.
3: Shoutouts to La Sicaria, uh, absolutely, you know, anybody who's, who's looking, I, I, I definitely agree with you, you know, anybody who's looking to sort of see a little bit of Lanny Poffo, the person, uh, get away from the wrestling talk and everything like that, and just see where he was at, you know, towards the end of his life, if you're looking to see something like that, definitely check out the interviews, good. Um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, you can find me um, on Twitter, Uh, at chrisams1 also you can find me on a bunch of HMG shows this week I will be uh, on the Impact Attack which is uh, at HMG, uh, Hami Media Group Um, I will also be on the Smack Attack or Smack I can't remember the Smackdown show that's on HMG anyway I'll be on that one uh, which means I'm pulling Double Duty this week watching both Smackdown and uh, Rampage um, so there'll be that. But, uh, but yeah, you can find me kind of all over the place. And of course, right here on the PWC network, um, you'll find all kinds of shows at some point this week or next. I will keep trying to get Jimmy to uh, record a, 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 an episode of the far center with me. Um, we're we're going to try to have a conversation. The two of us being non-Americans having a conversation about, uh, you know, uh, American uh, policing, and uh, you know, in the wake of what happened in, in Memphis, and that we want to kind of co- have a conversation about, you know, from the outside looking in, from Canada and Australia, two places with significantly less problems with policing and violence. Um, you know, kind of have a conversation about what's going on there.
4: Interesting, interesting concept it. of uh, you know, the, the outsiders looking in. What 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 does the outside world? think or at least uh, two you know countries that at least their foundation stories are you know similar
3: yeah exactly we're like we're like your cousins so mm-hmm. it's like you know yeah but we have our opinions um but also uh coming up this m- this next month in march you can find me on uh the garden of doom i'll be talking about atlantis mm-hmm. uh a subject which i'm very very interested in and i've been uh Reacquainting myself with uh, immensely, and I'm really looking forward to that. I will then be the six times, six times, six times, six times, six times, <laughs> six time guest uh, on that particular podcast. I'm looking forward to We're, that.
4: You've got to make a point with a tailor for the jacket. Yeah,
3: <laughs> sounds good. Uh, but other than that, you can find me where you can always find me. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, uh, so is Jeff. Um, yeah.
4: Oh, yeah, and at IcarusFellMD
3: yeah that one uh, so yeah uh, until next week we'll see you guys all later and uh, peace out thanks for thanks for supporting stay able, my
4: friends